Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hey, everybody. The Pro Bowl vote is here. An awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players, and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. So show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. The Around the NFL podcast. Does it no shit about fantasy football? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hanses. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I mean, let's be real about something. What? Most of us have stepped off the idea of playing fantasy football, right? We don't... I play it. But if you just dropped any one of us, and I'm not trying to be a braggart here into a, a group of civilians and gave us time to prepare draft and, and work on a fantasy team week to week, we would incinerate individuals. That's how I feel. It it's, doesn't feel it's not true. It is. Can I tell you true. one? I'll tell you one thing that you're showing uh, a lack of understanding of. The I will have a follow up to that comment. Um, you are still completely on some level vulnerable to things that you cannot control. Even if you have a great draft, like, for instance, I'll use my own team this year where I am buried in the standings where I drafted Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, T.Y. Hilton and XYZ. And, you know, sometimes things don't work out. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz made perfect sense as a draft pick for me. On my, I'm just – I never talk about your fantasy team. But th- in this case, I'm letting you know that you could pick a great team in August and you could supplement it with pickups during the year – but it could really haunt you where you can't have a dominant team. That you and I are different. The last time I participated, I dropped an absolute <laughs> megaton bomb on nine other haughty individuals who thought that they were all that. I played under the guise of my wife's identity and absolutely obliterated the competition that was five years ago. Oh, yeah. I've not touched it since. I was going to say, do it again. 
Well, no, because then my then my theory would be blown to bits. I'd come in seventh <laughs> place. I don't actually think but it does, that I'd be that good at it. Almost always I'm in the playoffs and competitive, and that is obviously the help because of all the NFL work we do. But you're not invo- you're not invul- invulnerable. You're just not. I would I you know when I, when we did fantasy West, we would often say, or I would at least you know the the most important equation you know part of fantasy is luck it's just like gambling like 65 70 percent of it is luck and the really good players you work on that other 30 percent which over time gives you a, a pretty significant you know advantage but in any one given season forget about agree it. Luck to disagree is, luck is mostly the thing also one other thing we learned is that fantasy football analysts aren't really great at fantasy football not all of them. Some are. Some are good. Some are bad. Some are you're good, right. You're right. You can you can join an expert league and win right away if you're good at fantasy football. Um, <laughs> can't wait for the hate tweets to roll in on, on this one. Wait, but I thought you just said it's a luck. No, that's what I Craig say. Said. I say. Uh, I think it's like I'm just saying it's this kind camp of like, over here is sort of standing on the fact that I we think would it can, utterly I think it can be everyone. both. I mean, yeah, it's luck it, that, and you draft Big Ben. Well, no, Big Jen is not someone I draft to begin with. Let's start right there. <laughs> What, what oh, were you yeah. up to yesterday? Huh? He's feeling fired out of a cannon right now. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> All right. It's going to be an interesting show with Mark Sessler. Uh, we are at week 12, the preview show. Tonight, uh, Wes and Greg will be handling Thursday night football recap, Colts, Texans. After that, we just did, before we started today, a lovely interview uh, with Cynthia Freeland, the analytics expert. Uh, and uh, you know, star of many uh, NFL media programs, both on the network and digital side. So we had a nice talk with her about how um, she's built her career and also how she uses her model, as it's called, uh, to figure out what's going on in a league that's often difficult to figure out. Hmm. I feel like it was one of those, you know, Marvel movie or some sort of thing where you introduce a new character to the audience. He's got like a guest role today, but it's just, it's a promise of future appearances to come. It's like, here's, here's Cynthia Freeland. You guys are going to get used to her. Now get ready for her model and her computer to take over your life at some point. <laughs> Skynet, baby. That's, that's what's going to happen interview. here. Um, all right. So as we always do, it's a draft. It's a uh, snake draft. And Greg, you have the first overall pick uh, this week. We have, tw- uh, we have, uh, 13 games to get to, uh, so let's do it. Mm. 14 games, excuse me. <laughs> really wish I had uh, you know, known that going in. No, um, <laughs> let's go. Common theme here. The, like the let's go Seahawks-Eagles. Wow. 10 a.m. on Sunday, that first big slate of games. Want to make sure I'm watching uh, a fun one, and I'm fascinated to see this Seahawks team coming off a bye and an Eagles team that – you know, desperately needs a win, and if they don't have Lane Johnson, who has mispracticed now for the first uh, two days of this week, which usually is a pretty bad sign if you're coming off uh, a concussion, I, I do worry about them because to me that was their identity: running the ball on the right side of their offensive line. You know, turning into a run-first team, which I don't think is the worst strategy against the Seahawks defense, which has been having some holes. If he's out. That, that's where Jadevian Clowney is going to be lining up a lot of the time. He'll be on both sides. Jason Peters isn't 100% either. And Clowney, as, after that performance, I just he's turned into one of the most fascinating players in the league to watch snap to snap. I, yeah, I don't know about this Eagles offense. Did, is this the worst wide receiver core in the league? 
I yes. think they when had, they're banged up, yes. They have the second most drops, and we heard Romo last week called Miles Sanders special, called him outstanding. Why are they not making him the focal point of this offense if the receivers are so bad and he's so good? It's a good question. I mean, I, I I feel like the Eagles right now, they do have the Dolphins, Giants, and Redskins after this game. But if you want to be taken seriously in the NFC at home, I need to see them put up a fight because they have been one of the more lackluster, dullard teams. And I totally agree that Clowney, in a season of trades that have worked for good teams like Minka Fitzpatrick, Marcus Peters, Laramie Tunsil, Clowney's right at the top of the list with those guys because he has fit right into a Seahawks defense that is not great at all. But they've got some players that have been, they got some pass rush going against the Niners last week. I just trust this team to go anywhere in the country and be there in the fourth quarter and win, and I think they're going to take care of the Eagles. I mean, the, the, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm so excited about that performance defensively because that was their best defensive game of the season. And so can that carry over? Because if this defense turns into a Pete Carroll-type defense, which is at least closer to being a top-10 defense, then watch out. This team has a, a really good chance to win a Super Bowl. And one of the things that was different that week was their addition of Quandre Diggs, who had a great game, and now their safety position, which has been a problem for much of the year, maybe is solidified with Quandre Diggs and McDougal together, who's now healthy again. And it's like, okay, you're starting to fix some of the problems you had. But the the, the defense worth talking about this game is Philadelphia's, which is the best in the NFL over the last three weeks, and forcing punts consistently Almost every possession they're forcing punts. This defense has been turned around, and, and I really think they're not going to lose two games in a row at home. I really, I, I like the Eagles in this game. Mm, interesting. Wow. That is, that's very interesting. I mean, what do you see? Because you could make this statement. They're slight favorites. And you were just saying like it. Eagles one-point favorites, I think. You, you were just saying that the um, the wide receiver group is as bad as it is. I, you get the feeling that this offense might be a little busted. I oh, worry I, about their ability to score points against the Seahawks and really anybody at this stage. I agree. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, but I think that the Eagles' defense is the best unit in this game. Every it, week, Carson Wentz gets the ball at the end of the game, and the, it's become like a, a trope in Philadelphia now. It's like, well, here's Carson Wentz's chance to make a signature drive. Like, he needs that signature drive. Like we need Aguilar that, holds on to the ball. Right, and they haven't, they, they haven't had that moment, whereas the Seahawks, like, every week's a signature drive. They, they don't know how to do anything but win close games in the fourth quarter. That's all they do. I just say, conversely, the Seahawks, who keep losing tight ends, for instance, turn Jacob Hollister into a star player over the... I feel like Dan could go into the Seahawks offense and put up an 8-100-1 line right. without any issues. And then, they, you know, Josh Gordon showed up at the end of that Niners game and could be a factor for that team. They're adding these players at the right time. I, I trust the Seahawks until they show me that I, they should not be trusted. Tyler Lockett is uncertain for this game. Pete Carroll believes he will play, but Pete Carroll's been overly optimistic about players before. He didn't practice Wednesday. That's huge because, as Wes mentioned, it is a different Eagles defense. Since they've gotten Jernigan back, they're better up front. And then Ronald... All of their cornerbacks. All their cornerbacks are healthy. Mills and Darby. And Darby especially played really well last week against the Patriots. All right. Uh, (laughs) Thought about locking up the Seahawks there. Go for it. Kind of talk me out of it. I we mean, should do Eagles, it together. Let's do it together. Bad offense. I mean, too. don't listen. To, no, they were on different sides of the uh, the fence here. Don't listen to the guy that's four and seven let, letting you talk him exactly. out of it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm on a six game streak. Mark, what about the idea that the what I'm Eagles have trust your instincts? I know the Eagles. Even though they've been kind of on and off this season, they have a couple like out of nowhere 
uh, big wins at Green Bay, at Buffalo. I, so, uh, is another one coming? I, I said that the Eagles would open 6-0, and and I thought they were the most complete team in the NFC, and they just have been very underwhelming. I think that they're unpredictable and untrustworthy. It's a, it's a weird lock, but if you and I went down Seahawks Lock Boulevard, the one thing I say is I just don't care if the Seahawks are on the road. I don't care if you put them in the middle of Russia, they right, knock a team out. Let's, let's lock it. it up. Let's double lock up there. Bang! Another double lock. I feel like that is becoming a theme of the season, and it's nice. I think it's a nice thing. We're going to win it, too. Unity. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, Wes, you have the second overall pick. Wes, who every time he would play in an expert league would come out with a W. Every time, first place and the title. Luck. Gonna let, Not a part of fantasy for I'm going to let Wesley. that stand as the narrative because it's true. So yes, we we got those those flat screens, Wes. From that we old, do. That fa- I won the league, got a flat screen. Wes took over the the spot, the road spot. Got a flat screen, still have it. <laughs> you got the hardware. You're winning prizes, expensive, <laughs> valuable prizes. What do you get for winning it every year or winning it once? Uh, they he won. We just had to keep passing it along the line to new Roto World people because Roto World <laughs> people kept winning it. No, it, it was not a violation of company policy at Roto World. Were, <laughs> they didn't have rules. All right, Wes, you're up. I'm a little uh, flummoxed, a little nonplussed by Greg bypassing Cowboys at Patriots, and the only explanation I have for it is that he's afraid of the Cowboys and does not want to watch mm. the Patriots lose in this game. <laughs> you got to learn how this game works. The pick in the There's only two games in the afternoon, so it does, I'm going to be watching it regardless. That's uh, you that's know, fine. you got to play the game in good faith, though. That's all. Mm, okay. No, so no, I'm no. Just, I'm I, saying it is. My, a, it's my a point strategy. is, there's a way to strategic. I want to make sure I have the the 10 a.m. games that I want because ultimately I'll I'll work it that I'm covering this game. I miss, this game. I miss Red Greg. He has a lot of confidence in his quarterback, who has a lower touchdown to interception <laughs> ratio and passer rating than Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph over the last seven games. Seven games. That is quite a sample size, Greg Rosenthal. And I don't think Brady's the problem. I think he's playing fine. I think it's everything else around him. Okay. Last last week, I think he was part of the problem, but that would be the first time I thought that all year that I think he had a really poor game. I think weather played more into that than we could see on TV. Right. Maybe uh, I'm wrong about that. And I was, I was thinking, okay, this week, you know, maybe you get healthier. You do get Isaiah Wynn back. He's going to be activated. The, the Munoz. Left tackle. Uh, yeah, Isaiah Munoz. And that's fine. It's not really the pass protection that's totally killed them. It's the running game. And to me, Burkhead is not an asset and they need to get Sony Michelle going. Cause he's the only one that can make people miss maybe on a running down, but the line, you know, your boy Dante Skarnecki is having a tough year with some of these injuries that they've had and they haven't been able to overcome it. In theory, this should be a matchup. Maybe you can run the ball a little bit. I, if I'm the Cowboys, I would be a little concerned that I saw both Scarborough and Jeff Driscoll be able to run it so well, especially Scarborough in the red zone. And I think, what Tom Brady said about wanting to play to their defense, you need to have a running game for that. I mean, you need, if you want to have some longer drives, like they are too one dimensional. I'm not saying that's everything they've gotten by with just okay running games over the years, but they're 30th in the league in yards per carry. And it's just, it's hard to watch that they can't survive these second and 11s, third and, and, and nines because they don't have guys on the outside who can catch. And t- Philip Dorsett's hurt and Mohamed Sanu hurt his ankle. That looked like a pr- pretty serious ankle injury. I do not expect him to play. They're maybe saying for he a could miss multiple games. Multiple right. weeks, yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, the, you're right. The Patriots, I, and you've been harping on this and I just naturally, 
because of we've been watching New England do this forever. I just expect, expect them to round out and get through whatever known on-paper issues they have. But their last four games on the ground, 74, 79, 74, and 74 yards. And it looks that way. They, they have in the past have been able at this time of year to start to pound on teams with 160, 180, 200-yard performances where they dominate the time of possession. They dominate the clock. And I think that's obviously led to some of Tom Brady's issues. And, you know, that, we can always point to Tom Brady is the guy, unlike Peyton Manning, back in the early 2000s that had no talent around him and still made it work. You get to a point where they their roster and their injuries and the depletion around him is is going to put too much pressure on him to make plays that he's not making right now statistically. I think they can still turn it around, though. And this... Yeah, I'm not sure if the Cowboys are an easy matchup or a hard matchup. On paper, you know, they're, they're look, they look pretty good up front to me. They certainly have a lot of talent defensively. It's really on their defense. It, the Patriots are finding ways to win games. I do think they can get better offensively. Uh, but their defense, who we t- we've talked a, a lot about this year, they're going to be tested here in the span of five weeks. They play the Ravens, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. For my money, those are the three best offenses in the league. Kyle Van Noy is their best player up front. Uh, which is wild on, on a t- defense this good, they're going to have to w- find a way to get pressure on Dak Prescott because there's just so many weapons. I, I always trust offense in the NFL, not defense. That's why I don't, I don't feel great about this game, at least not them as a heavy favorite. If you you know figure what, what Belichick usually does, I would imagine he puts Gilmore on Gallup and double teams Amari Cooper and then says, beat me with Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. That sounds, that sounds about right. Well, Zeke Elliott might beat you because you're getting right. up like 5.2 yards per carry. I, I think that is probably the risk they would take. You've got to try to stop this Cowboys passing attack. And I'm not saying Zeke looks bad, but he led the NFL in yards per game in his first season as a rookie, as a sec- in his second season, and in his third season. And he's nowhere near that this season. He's eighth or second, ninth. Second level guy miss. He's not as expensive. So it, they're not as good a running team. They're they're a good running team. They're fine, but they're not what they used to be. I, and the Patriots at home, they have four, uh, held teams to 14 points or fewer in seven straight. And it, that is legit. That's not going to happen. Though. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I'm with you that this is a tougher matchup than most. But what they've done to quarterbacks, four touchdowns to 19 picks this season. And their defense is not the defense earlier in the year that was scoring points left and right. But I love the matchup of Kellen Moore versus not Bill Belichick, but Kellen Moore versus Steve Belichick. This is the future of the NFL coming at us, right? Moore versus Sully. There you go. <laughs> what? Moore versus the mullet. Perhaps it's perhaps it's an injury, but why are we in week 12 and Zika Elliott is still not why is he not making people miss? Like what what's changed right now? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think he looks as explosive. I also think some of those linemen are not blocking as Ty, Tyron Smith, fine as a pass blocker, and according to Pro Football Focus, not having a good run blocking. And he's not healthy either. Trey Flowers really beat him pretty good last week, and Lyle Collins is questionable for this game, which I think is big for the Cowboys. Yeah, last week watching the game, I thought you you got to keep Pollard in there because Pollard can them. do a few things that Zeke can't, Absolutely. In, including make – People miss that easily in in the open field. That is a great backfield, but you got to keep Pollard in the mix. That you can't make Zeke's the, money right now. That had to be one of the takeaways from last week's Cowboys game as Pollard is underutilized. Uh, moving on, I am going to go with a game in the NFC South, uh, a, a dirt nap game for one team. they got to win the game, and it's a really tough assignment um, because they got the Saints. So it's the Panthers and Saints. Um, 
matchup between two of the best young running backs in the league. Oh, that was the other mistake I made. And, you know, in hindsight, it's a mistake. But picking uh, third, I took Alvin Kamara. Picking fourth, Christian mm. McCaffrey. One guy has a high ankle sprain, doesn't do anything all year. The other guy got can't it. can't beat yourself up for that one. If you got the Alvin Kamara of last week, starting in week one till now, yeah, would have been exactly. Fine. He's back for the money time of the fantasy season. Um, anyway, so you got Kamara versus McCaffrey. Uh, the problem, I guess, is Drew Brees is against Kyle Allen. If you're a Panthers fan, and Kyle Allen is coming off um, a game where he was. Not competitive. It was a 29-3 loss to the Falcons. And I know Atlanta's revitalized on, on defense uh, magically, almost suspiciously over the last two weeks. Uh, but you you wonder if if Kyle Allen, this version, this slumping version of Kyle Allen, remember, it wasn't so long ago. We saw him in London. They had won five of six. He had a little juice to him. Maybe he wasn't you know, playing extremely well, but he was part of a winning team. Do they have it in them? To go to the Superdome and keep their season alive against the Saints team, eight and two, got back on track a little bit last week uh, in Tampa, uh, thanks to Jameis Winston, a lot of help from him in that game. Uh, so I think this could be a good game because one team is very desperate, uh, and we'll see how it plays out. I don't think they can, the Panthers, to answer your question because the Saints are superior in the ways, uh, like on the offensive line and the toughness of their defense, and even rushing the passer, I would say, that the Panthers used to be better than the Saints. These two teams have played a lot of good games over the years. They played in the playoffs a few years ago, and that was the Panthers' edge, was they were a little tougher. They could protect pretty well, and now it's the Saints to me that, okay, Breeze throws those sideline creepers that uh, – that Wes said, and I got I to give Wes credit because there were a couple last week that back-to-back – outs that he threw to the opposite halves that you were like, oh, wow. I mean, that was interesting. Uh, and they didn't try anything like that the rest of the week. But it sort of doesn't matter. They they have turned the ball over less than any team in the league. They have a great offensive line. They've now got Kamara running in full flow. They, it's a very complete team. I'm not that worried about Breeze's arm strength because I think it's just a really good team. So much more complete. I, I throw in Jared Cook, too. It looked healthy and athletic last week. And they needed they needed that. And you know, they've gone through this stretch with a with Kamara not at full strength, without Jared Cook, without Drew Brees. They're getting healthy at the right time. And they when they went up twenty nothing on the Bucks last week, I mean, there's a lot of Tampa Bay issues going on there. But to me, I that was the Saints team I've been waiting to see all year. And you have I don't if Carolina wins this and you I think teams are getting more and more tape on the quarterback there, and and that's different than when he was making his second or third start. They're learning about how to get to him and how to deal with you know if you're Christian McCaffrey is their entire offense, and if you can if you can keep that yeah. in check, you're good. I I don't want to see any more Curtis Samuel breakout articles next off season. <laughs> I'm done with the Curtis Samuel breakout. How right. come DJ Moore can get a hundred yards every week with Kyle Allen at quarterback, but Curtis Samuel hasn't gotten a hundred yards in a game all season? Well, Moore is a more complete, solid receiver. He's the guy that you know Steve Smith said reminds me of me. Right, uh, and he's. I don't know if he's a top 10 in the NFL receiver at any point, but he's a really good Wait. route runner and a solid starting receiver. He, he makes more sense to me as a true number one type of guy for them. And, and David Tepper says he doesn't want to deal with mediocrity. This isn't mediocrity. They're 5-5, five and five, but they're 27th in DVOA. 
They're down there with the dregs of the mm. league. It's not a special defense, and to you know to defend Allen a little bit. It's like Greg Little they put back in the lineup last week at left tackle, and he just got destroyed. Mm-hmm. I think their line has struggled, and sometimes that is partly on the quarterback. Like I think Darnold struggles some of this year, or at least like a little bit on because Dar- when you're that young, you're not used to being able to set protections and do all these sorts of things that a veteran like Cam Newton could do. And you don't, you just don't even expect a, a second year guy like Allen or Darnold to be experts at doing at this point. Uh, did we fork the Panthers on Tuesday? We did. We did. Yeah. Okay. yeah. With, with, without looking back, no, no concerns. They go. All right. They gone. And Mark, you're up. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to just say this, and you can disagree with me. This slate of games this week is, I, I feel like, the first time we've hit a point where there is not a lot of hotness to choose from. Some of these are matchups between two teams. Well, that, that, all the good ones are in the, the primetime games are great. I think there's like four or five great games for once, but that means that there's a lot of trash Well, they've back. been picked at this point. Right. So I, I'm going to go where my heart is, and it's, you know, we talk about another team right on the edge of existence and potentially close to extinction, extinction if they don't make it happen, is the Browns at home against Miami. And I, what I want to see is how they respond to, obviously, a Steelers game full of tumult, full of chaos. And what came out of it was the tipping point, and I've expected this in, in many ways, and it's not everyone, but it, for those who wanted to just finally unleash on the Browns' experience of this season for multiple reasons, the Miles Garrett scenario at the end of Thursday Night Football, which was a total circus, gave you full right to, because this is a team that the beeline, and I look at the Dolphins and the Browns, is very different in a couple ways. The Dolphins, you can look at them over the first couple of months and say they were an absolute mess. You look at the last month, they are disciplined. The Browns are not disciplined. The Dolphins do not kill themselves with penalties. The Browns have been doing that up until a couple weeks ago. I, I, I truly wonder who the better coach in this game is because what I'm seeing week to week and having tracked the Dolphins, you know, just out of curiosity, is that Brian Flores is one thing they can build on. Now, that can change by next season. I just believe in that coach. And Freddie Kitchens, week after week, in-game, I believe has been outdueled, and their defense was dominant against a bad quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and again in Pittsburgh last week. What they had to do in this one is make up for the fact that you lost in the course of three hours. Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, your safety Morgan Burnett, and I realize this player is not valuable, and they made this decision on their own. But depth at wide receiver and Antonio Callaway, you've lost three core defenders who were starters and major contributors. Miles Garrett had a higher pressure rate than basically anyone in the league, and was doing more for Cleveland than almost any defensive player is doing for their own team at this point. He is a huge unmaskable loss, and at this point, you just take Nick Chubb and say we're going to run you and use Kareem Hunt the way you've been using him. And and you attack Miami from start to finish on the ground. That's my guess. And I think it's going to be a closer game than anyone in Cleveland would want. And they will take care of business. But they're not going to win games in blowouts. They're just not going to do it. If we lowered the bar of the Texans when J.J. Watt went out, I feel like it's fair to do the same thing with the Browns, with how important Garrett is to that defense. I'd but say even more game. so, though. But it's not this game. The Dolphins have an XFL-caliber offensive line. They are brutal. They are terrible. And all those players you mentioned, the Browns missing, so now they're only five times as talented as the, as the Dolphins. And they've not been living up to their talent. Right. That's my issue with Cleveland. I don't care about their talent. They've not lived up to it outside of the running backs. But I understand what Mark's saying because if you have Garrett and Ogunjobi, this is a game that because of that defensive line 
And because Fitzpatrick, even when it's going well, has to overcome so much. That's why I think he's really just played outstanding this year. Even a game like last week. I mean, he this did, year's a feather in his cap. He did what he, yeah. he could. You would just think the Browns would dominate it so much, kind of like they did against Pittsburgh, that it almost doesn't matter what happens on offense. They'll get enough. Whereas now you're missing a couple pieces. Could Fitzpatrick make a few plays and, and make this one uncomfortable? I, I respect Flores enough to think it can. He's He's... He hasn't found many players to to hold on to for next year, but one of them that he has is Nick Needham, an undrafted free agent rookie who, since week seven, is tied for the number one cornerback in the NFL in pro football focuses. Need him. Rated. Ratings. And so how about the Needham-Beckham matchup? And who like thought him, that would be big time? One of them is not Kalen Balaj. I watch him and I want a refund. I want to watch a real running back. Nine carries for nine yards, I believe, this week. He has a chance to set the all-time record for yards per carry. No one over a, a certain threshold, maybe it's 100, uh, has ever averaged under two yards per carry, which is where he's at for the season. So he can make some history. Uh, and uh, let's give a little credit to Devontae Parker. After seven mm. different making the leaps, uh, <laughs> you know, off-season tropes, he's finally made the leap in his sixth season, I believe. Mark Walton was a big loss in their backfield uh, when – uh, he they cut him. Suspended. Well, uh, they needed to after what happened last week. And then, uh, yeah, there, he had a domestic violence incident uh, that he was connected to, which led to his release. And I'm just seeing four hours ago posted on TMZ, NFL's Mark Walton bizarrely skips and sprints out of jail after battery arrest. So uh, that's no bueno. Something's going on there. Some issues. And to be clear, we're taping this before we know the appeal uh, answer on Ogunjobi and Garrett, which the league plans to put down or uh, notify everyone before this game. So they'll probably have an answer for it on Friday. Maybe there's a chance Ogunjobi plays, by the way. I think I thought Ogunjobi's was held up, but w- they are waiting still on Miles Garrett. I have sure. been. I am corrected. Yeah, Ogunjobi. Let's do a little breaking news. As we were taping, Miles Garrett's indefinite ban has been upheld, and Marquise Pouncey of the Steelers uh, had his reduced to two games. So, a little hmm. update. There you go. Uh, Mark, let's go through it. They have six games to play. They've won two in a row. They're four and six. Just give me win or loss. You ready? Home, Miami. Win. Oh, yeah. At Pittsburgh. That game is going to be crazy. Um, Loss. Okay, so you're five and seven. Home, Cincinnati. Win. Oh, yeah. Six and seven. At Arizona. Win. Oh, yes. I don't feel great about seven that. Seven and seven. Home Baltimore. Loss. Seven and eight. He gone against Cincinnati on the road. Win. Oh, yeah. So eight and eight is what you say. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're a playoff team with the way that they've gone through this season. That's not exactly going out on a limb. All right, it's snakes to you, Well, Mark. nor do I claim that it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> just what I see. Uh, wow. And another, just a cornucopia of excitement to pick from here. <laughs> but I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take the late Jacksonville at Tennessee game. See, Dan, it all worked out. Now, now I, you know. What? I'm good. I, yeah, you guys were critical of my uh, 4 p.m. Anyways, go ahead. No, no I mean, I, I hope that I didn't step on your toes with that pick. But no. I, I'm interested in this. And, you know, this is low-hanging fruit, but I, I want to see 
Nick Foles and uh, him progressing. You know, I thought about one thing is that to go through what Nick Foles went through to suffer broken bones and come back and want everyone wanting him to light it up right away and be the Super Bowl Nick Foles on a team that he was with the Eagles that had the greatest, you know, tight end duo in a while to play in the Super Bowl. And he's got nothing at that position right now. They just lost Josh Oliver, who's been sent to IR. They've got... Nobody playing at that position. And D.D. Westbrook is not expected. Well, he didn't practice Thursday, so he could be out. So it's Foles and D.J. Chark. And what concerns me about the Jaguars is how they were absolutely run over, stampeded last week, the run defense, 264 yards by the Colts. And now you got Derrick Henry. And I, I just trust Tennessee's. I, will, I almost wanted to lock up the Titans, which I don't think I've ever done oh. on this show. But it, to me, we have to lock a game. We do at some point. You do, hmm. but I, I just this feels to me if Tennessee wants to go flip flop, win loss, win loss. If you at one point want to start to build some momentum, this is where you do with with Derrick Henry and you get the job done. And Ryan Tannehill has been more of a big play quarterback than we've really ever seen from hmm. person number two in that position. I'm locking Tennessee. up the Titans. Yes. Wow. I uh, I lost a lock on Titans Jaguars back in week three. Very different teams back then. Gardner Minshew and uh, Marcus Mariota in, in a rainstorm. The Jags D had Jalen Ramsey back then, and although they didn't because he was sitting out, right? Uh, who knows? I think they really miss even as much as Jalen Ramsey. Bad injury. Telvin Smith. Uh, that's part of like the re- like their linebacker core has been totally victimized in the running game and sometimes in the passing game. Miles Jack is a guy who they believe in as a core guy who's not having his best season. And maybe it's partly because he doesn't have his tag team partner, Telvin Smith, who retired out of nowhere, who just made so many plays in pursuit for that team. And you're right, their their defense just isn't... It, it's not even... It's an average defense, and it's just another reminder. It's tough to build around epic defenses because who, who have been the most epic defenses in the last few years? Jaguars in 17, Bears in 18... You know, those those were one-time things. It's so hard to they run were, it back the next year. Right. right. It, they, they ran it back that as good, and then now they're, just be, now they're just back to kind of normal. Even when the Jaguars had Telvin Smith and they were the best defense in the league, they had issues with the Titans. The 8-8, the eight and 9-7 eight, and seven Titans, whatever they were, would go in and beat, sweep them when they were at their best. And I think that Derrick Henry is going to be a handful for this defense, which allows, I believe, 5.3 yards per carry on the season. One of the reasons, yeah, what this was that Thursday wild. night game Henry's a year had a, ago where Henry went off. Yes, Henry's had a good year, and uh, I think they lean on him now more than ever. They don't even play Deion Lewis barely. And one of the reasons why I, I worry about Nick Foles keeping up in a shootout is just Cam Robinson and, and Juwan Taylor, their two tackles, are ranked 52 and 69 out of about 80. You know, tackles. So that's one. That's also one of the worst tackle groups in the league. And if you wanted to make an argument for Minshew, it's it's Foles getting hit last week, which he did quite a bit, just kind of standing there. And it reminded me of that kind of trope where people are always like, oh, those running quarterbacks, you know, it's a risky. They're going to get hurt at some point. And it's just like guys who get hit hard a lot are the guys who get hurt. <laughs> yeah, so do Stone Age ponies right. standing like, there not It's moving. like now there's no rule to it because like Tom Brady doesn't get hit because he gets rid of the ball or he moves. Peyton Manning was good at that. The guys like Foles who have no mobility but stand there and show some courage but then just get destroyed. I mean, that's one way to get hurt too. Uh, Derrick Henry feels underrated. Uh, he is... Since last December, he leads the league in rushing and touchdowns. Mm. He is also, uh, I believe, set to be a free agent. Seems like a guy that the 
Titans would lock up. There's some Leonard Fournette to his game where the script has to be to his liking in order for him to dominate, and he can disappear for long stretches of time. Better version than a Fournette, though. He's shown yes, his career. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, all right. To the old Zeuser, Raiders at Jets is my pick. Easy for a couple of reasons. Um, I do want to see the Raiders in a trap game. When's the last time the Raiders have been in a trap game? 2002. <laughs> It was week 15 of 2002. The Raiders were in a trap. No, they. It's been. It feels like it's been a minute. And uh, last week, that may actually be the case, unless you go back to the playoff year from a couple. I mean, they played the ago. Bengals last week. If you wanted to make a case for that, but, but isn't a trap game when you're looking ahead to the next opponent? That's good. Isn't that what a trap game is? <laughs> Well, I view a trap game as you, yeah, you look pat, they would look past the Jets. Okay, I mean, the Bengals hung it, around. But I, mean, I thought it was just like know. a game you're expected to win. But this Maybe. one's much more dangerous because the Jets actually have a quarterback and it's on the road. All right, so here we are. Here, here are the Raiders, uh, yeah, coming off a game against Cincinnati. Cincinnati gave up more points than anyone in the league on a weekly basis. And somehow at home, the Raiders scored 17 and squeaked by. Um, and I wonder what that's about. Um, because as good as a story as the Raiders are, are they a team that could be vulnerable to? I know they're six and four, um, but on the road uh, against a Jets team that is by no means a good team, but has shown flashes of competence, and they're coming off back-to-back wins off teams that are combined three and seventeen. So that's important to keep in mind. But also, um, it seems like we're starting to get some actual progress on the offensive side of the ball. Their offensive line has been. Better Ryan Khalil, two two big swings and misses uh, by Joe Douglas, which I don't kill him for because he kind of had to hit the ground running and improvise to try to find ways to improve the line, and neither move worked. Kalechi Assembly didn't work at guard, and then it led to a behind-the-scenes drama about an injury, and he eventually was released. Matt Khalil, they gave him $8 million, said, we need a veteran center to stabilize the line and also work with our young quarterback. And on paper, again, and, and lo- logically, it was like, oh, this is a good move. This was a smart – it was a disaster. Not only was Khalil uh, not close to the player he was uh, with the Panthers, apparently his his style of play and his the, the way he goes about the position uh, led to some confusion and was part of the reason why that line seemed so out of sync is what we're hearing coming out of the Jets. So Jonathan Harrison has replaced him at center. Hmm. So there's some stability now uh, at, on that line, which should uh, help again against the Raiders. Max Crosby is a guy to look out for. You want to talk about this, the, the baby Raiders, man. Every week, it's it, it sounds like a tired storyline, but it keeps happening every week. These guys come out and have big games, and Max Crosby had four sacks last week. Uh, he had a huge Thursday night game the week before uh, in terms of pressures. Uh, he is a rising guy and just another example of what Mike Mayock and John Gruden have been able to do building a young core very quickly. I feel like that's the difference between like the Raiders and the Jets is having a rookie class come in on both sides of the ball and stay you know outside of the safety stay healthy and contribute every one of them they what would the Raiders be without Josh Jacobs right now I mean they 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 are leaning on these guys and they're contributing he runs downhill like the field is tilted I I get more impressed with him every week they're 6 and 1 in one score games the Raiders which means they haven't won a single game all year uh by more than eight points, which to me is a sign of a team that's, you know, had the right schedule and has learned how to win close games, but is is beatable and that has had some good fortune. 
And I do think this is a trap game. I picked the Jets uh, in my game picks column. It, because I don't think the Raiders yeah. have much of a pass rush. I think if you've got a pass rush, uh, I just don't trust this Jets offense to do anything. Uh, but I don't think the Raiders really do. I think Crosby has been really good, but I, he's not going to keep me up at night. He did a lot of his damage uh, against one of the worst tackles in the league last week. And it was nice to see Sam Darnold do Sam Darnold things last week. A lot of beautiful throws. They got him on the move more. They're very throwing, good on throwing the, the ball short uh, more. You know, it's less Robbie Anderson, which you know, bad for him. He's having a terrible uh, free agent uh, yeah. contract year. If he was looking to get paid uh, next year, good for the community though. I just think it's is like a coin flip game, and the Raiders' luck is uh, hmm. is I, they don't feel like a team that's gonna like win every single week. It's why crazy. don't you lock up the Jets then? I mean, I don't feel that good about it. This is and like a, a coin flip. It is a prototypical trap game because next week the Raiders are at Kansas City. And think about that. If they don't, if they stumble and get beat by the Jets, they're staring at six and six, uh, potentially, if they don't um, stage a big win on the road in Kansas City. So this is a big – they did a nice job. They had that homestand out of that long, long, long road trip, and they swept the homestand against Lions, Chargers, Bengals. But now this will be a real challenge. We'll know three weeks from now whether the Raiders are a team that, you know, could make some I, I would say this. Flip, forget – on the other side of the trap game – is the Jets, who are probably in the wrong division because they just went 3-1 and one against the NFC East. But mm. y- you could change the vibe of a season that's gotten pretty dark at times if the Jets knock out Oakland. I'm not saying that there are answers here or that you necessarily want the coach to stick around in Adam Gase. But if they can pick up from here, and the Raiders have been one of the teams that have given up more 20-plus completion yards and 40-plus, you can you can strike on them through the air. It'd be a three-game winning And by the way, after that, they go at Cincinnati, home Miami. So, wow. yes, everything Change changes. Change that vibe a little. The whole narrative around this Jet season changes if they win against Oakland. It's funny how West tried to happens. make me lock them up. Like I'm that <laughs> this weak uh, will. Oh, yeah, let's... I want those jets. I want to see if this <laughs> no game, if this game shows us exactly why Le'Veon Bell did not get traded, did not get the payday he thought he was going to get, because Josh Jacobs is so much better than him. I don't know if there's a more boring running back in the league to watch right now than Le'Veon Bell. A lot of three yard runs this year. There's just oh, no yeah, play he doesn't have ability tw- going on. He doesn't on. have a twenty yard run uh, this year. I mean. You're right. When you when you saw Billy Powell in last week, you're like, oh, that was a little extra. Oh, juice. Josh Adams got a got a carry, and I think it was called back on penalty, but he shot out of a cannon compared to Le- Le'Veon Bell. All right, moving on. It is now time for Chris Wessling to make a selection. I'm gonna go with the Broncos at the Bills. Broncos and at the Bills. Fun game. It could be a fun game, and the Bills might be ripe for the picking. I I liked how well they played last week, but they are riding so high beating a bad team to a pulp, talking about comparing it to a Thanksgiving feast. That's how much we ate out there today against the Dolphins. Yeah, come on. Give me a break, Bills. No feast. That's the, that's the only offensive line that could make your defensive line look good. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's fair. And they were talking up this Tremaine Edwards spe- speech, and I, I like a second-year linebacker kind of, you know, stepping into a leadership role. But after the game, they were talking about it like it was, you know, it was Newt Rockney or something. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you're playing the Dolphins. Let's, and I, if, I, they, if they beat the Broncos, I mean, it's the best team they've beaten. All, is this the best team they've beaten all year? I don't know. I guess they beat the Titans. The Titans would be the best team they've beaten. <laughs> and I, I expect the Bills to win at home, but I just don't think it'll be easy. I think the I think these teams are much closer than their records would suggest they are. 
I think Denver's offense, well, we've all seen this and talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Their parts are starting to play the way that you would have hoped with Philip Lindsay. Cortland Sutton's been awesome, obviously. Noah Font finally has woken up and had big plays. You know, I, This is a tough game for the Bills. and They've only crossed 30 points twice all year, and it's to the Dolphins both times, to your to your point right there, and you just can't trust them. Yeah, they had long touchdown drives last week, and it's really the only time all season where you could count on them to score touchdowns versus field goals, but the Broncos could make this tough. I could see this being like 16-13. to 13. Buffalo ekes it out, and Stephen Hauska's not exactly been an ace in the hole either. So. I like uh, the aggressiveness, though. Two things that the Bills coaching staff did, which was just they blitzed a lot more. They're not getting much pass rush pressure, and you have such a good veteran secondary. Get creative, which I think you can do against Brandon Allen in a, in a pretty bad offensive line. And then, more importantly, I think they leaned into Josh Allen's running ability yeah. a little more last week. That's what he does best, and he sells the hell out of a fake. You know, I'm always killing Josh Allen, but man, he is one of the best at those run-action plays where the defense gets confused because he's so great at faking it. He's very good at running. That's why they're so good in the red zone. It's like, that's what he does the best. Just lean into it. Let him be Cam Newton, you know? Brian may Dable, not have him for 10 years, right? right so Brian is like, creative. Right. Like, that's when they've been at their most fun, and that's when I'd be the most afraid of them is when they're running him as much as possible. 16 of their 22 first downs came by his arm or his legs. He was sort of a one-man gang. I mean, John Brown had a great game too, but that was Devin Singletary's worst game, I think. Hmm. And he's playing 65% of the snaps in, in, I think, four straight weeks, which means Frank Gore is used, like Greg said, only in short yardage. Unsolicited advice to the Bills. They've bought themselves a nice little bit of rope here with a 7-3 and three start. Win this game. Get to 8-3 and three because it closes out pretty tough. At Dallas, home Baltimore. At Pittsburgh, at New England, home Jets. Woo. Get yourself that eighth win and give yourself a little bit of wiggle room if things get hairy in December. I think it's a yeah. big week for the yeah. AFC wildcard race because of that. The Bills and the Raiders, both in spots where if they don't win this week where they're favored, then that they could really fall off the map and team like teams like Mark's Browns rise up. Who knows? Maybe the Jets do it with that. Rise up. I mean, we talked about potentially forking the Browns. They're not dead yet. <laughs> I love Snake. it. I love it. Oh no. That's- Wait, I thought you just said they're eight and eight this year. Yeah, but that's a month plus from now. That's not forking them yet. And I, by the way, I could. I be wouldn't wrong. have forked them either. I didn't I vote for wrong. a fork either. No, I know. Well, what a lucky guy I am. I've got the best team in football still on the board. Uh-oh. It's the Atlanta Falcons at home. <laughs> did, against... Erica, did Erica not hear about this? Thing? Well, it, technically, we haven't gotten to it. Yeah, well, this, we haven't the, gotten to this it. This is the first I, one. Yeah. This is the first one, so that was on Dan. That's on me. That's not on you. Mm. You just looked sleepy when I looked over to you. Dan immediately name drops the producer. <laughs> I'm just in the comment section. Oh, what's going our, on over there? Let's, let's take a quick pause, Greg, to check Please. in with the comments. This is streaming live on YouTube. Get excited. Yeah, someone said, I lock up Greg giving a hot take and then backing out of locking it up. And they, were, they were correct. Whoa. What do you mean, though? I think the Jets. But the Jets. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how is that a – that's not a hot take. I mean, I'm just saying they're going to win the game. It doesn't mean – I mean, put, you, 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 it's you pretty spicy, that, Meatball. Put your money where your mouth is. Was that I, Nick Wesling also trying to get Greg right. to lock up the Jets? <laughs> well, they, you know, they want a lock so bad. They want a spicy lock. Here we go. How about let's go down to Atlanta and lock up the Falcons? <laughs> you know I was doing that the whole time. Oh, God. <laughs> let's I do like it. that. All when right. you can lock up a 3-7 and seven team, you got to do it. Every time. Uh, Twice on Sunday. The Falcons – have a plus 60 scoring differential since halftime of uh, 
the Seahawks game two and a half weeks ago. How about that? I don't think they'll necessarily keep that up, but I do like the matchup against, uh, as the fantasy heads would say, a pass funnel as strong as the Bucks, <laughs> which is like you, you've got a you've got a running you know great run defense, but you're that term. but a terrible so pass. Funnels, that's a pass funnel. Oh, you want to invite Matt Ryan to throw the ball fifty times? I love it. I wanted to make sure Julio Jones is playing in this game. He did return to practice on Thursday. That's huge. They still without Austin Hooper. Uh, which worries me, but I do think they're just a much more complete team than the Bucks. Maybe they're not going to dominate uh, defensively the rest of the year, but I do think Matt Ryan and the offense is going to be really good, and they're going up against Jameis Winston, and they'll get pressure on him, and I think the most disappointing thing as a Winston fan, based on what I thought about him as a rookie, is his pocket presence. As Wes would put it, he called him a uh, a gangly giraffe back there or whatever? Drunken giraffe. I thought his pocket presence was kind of one of his strengths because on some plays, he does have that great movement where he buys time for himself. But I think as he's gotten more mature in the league, <laughs> he, seem, he seems more frenetic. Uh, and I, that skill set has gotten worse, and uh, I think that's not going to work. Mark, th- I mean, no disrespect. You know, I love you. Okay. I'm jumping out of our lock, and I'm jumping over to Falcons Nation. Really? Dirty Bird Land. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I I'm love going, it. I, I'm excited. I love it. I want it. I love this game for the Falcons. And you know what? You know what else he needs to be known right here? He's going for a double lock. Wait, no, that's not a thing. The, what needs to be remembered here, not only is the Atlanta Falcons defense now west, the 85 Bears. <laughs> oh, yeah, Some is. people. Um, Jameis Lin- Winston is coming up on a very – uh, sobering century milestone. He has 98 turnovers in less than five seasons. He's going to set that mark in the building where you can get a hot dog and a beer for five bucks. In the in the modern <laughs> risk averse okay. NFL, it's hard to have that many turnovers uh, and not get benched. They've had endless um, faith in Winston to turn it around. He just he's just so sloppy, and it's it's proven now that Bruce Arians as respected as he is as an offense, he couldn't fix him either. I, one of my, not looking too far ahead, we're in the middle of the season still, but who is going to buy in on James Winston in the offseason and what will they buy in him as, as a backup quarterback? Or will as like the guy who's with a first-round, like a with a first-round pick that's right. ultimately going to be the guy. I, I would like to see him at some point with like a, I don't think he's the worst starter in the league. He's just, no. he's closer to the, he does make a lot of plays. He's just every messy. Week. He's just he's so, messy. They've given up 20, here's another uh, record-breaking uh, day that they could have on Sunday. They've given up 27 points in eight straight games. They're only the third team ever to do that. They can break the record by giving up 27 on Sunday. That's God. what reminds me. The Bucks to me, they are production, not wins. Points, not wins. It's like you get you get these big numbers years in a row, and they seem to be the same thing. This year, you're getting pass rush, but it's not changing the game either. To, win, to your point on Winston, his 18 picks are the second most by any player through 10 games in over two decades. I mean, he's killing them with his lack of pocket presence, with his never, mistakes. You never keep your job this long. What, to be able to throw 30 interceptions, it's, there's got to be a couple different factors in place to let it happen. And that could be where we – like his tenure, unless he does get benched uh, finally, but uh, who knows. If his tenure ends with a 30-interception season, it would be so fitting. Uh, and the, and to, for the Bucks, as, as bad as that is, and as the idea of, oh, my God, we invested so much time in this guy and believed him, and for, there's no decision. It's like, we're not going to be on the fence about this guy anymore. It just didn't work, and you got to move on. Outlasted Marcus Murray. You get a compensatory pick for him. How about that? One question, Greg, about your Falcons. Okay. As of week 12... <laughs> 
Do you have more confidence in their defense or in an offense with no running game and no Austin Hooper? I would say the offense still because it's Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Trust that passing game. Trust that quarterback. I never thought I'd be asking that question, but but here we are. Wes, shh. Don't get them to walk back out of this lock that is doomed. Uh, feeling good. Feel really good. I, I felt conflicted about that one, our, mm. our lock, Mark. This one. There I, weren't a lot uh, of obvious ones on the board. I don't feel this isn't the safest one in the world. I'll, I'll agree with that, Mark. Coming out of Sunday, people are going to be talking about Brian Schottenheimer is getting head coach interviews after they wax the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we snake back. Oh yeah, and um, lots I, to pick. From I really here. did not do a good job drafting. I take, I take, take it back, Wes. I should have just taken that Cowboys. Uh, mm. Patriots, mm. But I didn't see. Oh, there goes I didn't your whole, <laughs> goes your whole story for this point. episode. Confidence yeah, I, I, I blew it because uh, uh, I'm taking because I didn't realize I'd be end up with three 10 a.m. games. Uh, that's and, what I meant. And now I'm doing. The, oh, the, you got to play better than that. The oh, now I'm doing the Sessler strategy and taking the worst game possible, and that's Lions Redskins. And uh, I'm sorry that Jeff Driscoll, that I'm saying you're involved in uh, the worst game possible. Because you know what? You've given me a little something. You've made these game passes uh, experiences without Matthew Stafford enjoyable. You you made a lot of throws last week. Jeff Driscoll made more quality throws last week than 8, 10, 12 starters out there in in the NFL. So credit to him and Daryl Bevel. And uh, I think Jeff Driscoll's going to get a win as a starting quarterback this week. Why not? He's due. He can move, too. Oh, yeah. He made some plays with his feet. Oh, he moves. The Bengals moved him to wide receiver at some point. He might be the most. Oh, Scarborough? He might be the most athletic quarterback other than Lamar Jackson. Hawk. Kyler Murray, calm down. Hawk with, uh, you know, Andrew Hawkins, who does the game debut show with me, Kyler said, Murray was said the, the, Bengals players, the Bengals players would just like rave about Driscoll on the basketball court and just like every I could like, totally ins- see that. insane wow. like thing seen. that he was just like the best athlete on the so team. So he's the new Josh McCown? There you go. The Redskins have the worst home field advantage in the NFL. Yes or no? Yeah, because you can yes. get. I we have people telling us and tweeting at us saying that they're getting into the game for like thirty bucks. I, this is a you know in whatever, but the Redskins feel like an operation that almost needs to be taken over by the commissioner's office at this point. The same way, wasn't that a Milwaukee Brewers thing that happened way back when in baseball? Uh, no, he was just the owner. Or he was, they, yeah, well, that was weird too. They and took I, and over I, you're finding out I know nothing about baseball. but They've done it in, I think they've done it in all the major sports I mean, at one time or another. It's a crisis bubbling up in so many different ways, on the field, off the field, in terms of a great fan base that's been left by the side of the road like a dead corpse. I mean, Come on. I would like to make a um, an apology to the Lions and their fans. My theory that the Lions should be flexed out of Thanksgiving. Mm. People it, do not like that. It's unfair. <laughs> uh, Dave Feldman, a uh, big social shadowy league figure here um, and fellow Peloton rider, he came after me really hard. <laughs> was not happy with me. He you. was not happy with me. And it was a similar, everyone that has been upset has the same thing. Don't take this from us. And then I thought to myself, the Lions, you know, sad franchise, my team, the Jets. What if the Jets got Thanksgiving? Would I want that taken away? No, I wouldn't. So I'm sorry. And I, and listen, would it be better if – would it be better if the Cowboys and Patriots, for example, this week were playing on Thanksgiving, like a game of that caliber? Yeah, probably. But um, I understand tradition, so I'm sorry. 
That's I, it. There's no there's no jokes. I just I didn't mean to That was sort of offend. like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> well, I think you're, you're yeah, a little bit of a joke. Your strategy though or your com- initial comment and I got off scot free because I I strongly backed you <laughs> and didn't hear about it from anyone. But uh so I thank you for apologizing for both you of us, it. but I thought that was earnest and well done. Yeah. Thanks, man. I know you thanks. mean it too. I do. I know you mean it. No, I like I'm I'm happy that the fans of Detroit have that. I uh, I know you mean it. Back to this game for a second. Sure. I think Haskins has replaced Mason Rudolph as the hardest quarterback to watch. <laughs> he and makes a couple plays, though, but yeah. They did, they, at least. I don't think he knows what he's doing back there. They need a developmental league for guys like him because he is not ready to play in the NFL. This would be the week to get a win, though. Trey Flowers is hurt. He's been the only pass rush that they've had. He's played pretty well over the last month, and it looks like he's going to miss the game. They're missing another starter uh, up front, and... I don't know, this Lions defense. You got Darius Geis in there, your boy Adrian Peterson. I don't know if he's ever going to break that Walter Payton uh, record. He's now he's not get getting it. snaps. Now he's hurt. He done. You don't think they'll bring him back as a sometimes starter for next season, too? Well, he's, he's not done for the season. He's just got to no, I mean, use I'm him just around another year. They're, not, I, they're benching him. I now, think yeah. he entered the season three behind Payton for the touchdown mark. It's not even first place. And I don't know if he's gotten a touchdown yet this season. I Maybe one. They might want to take that outside pitch out of the playbook. He's not making anybody miss laterally. It's fair, dog. Lighten, Lions released uh, tackle Dan Skipper. I want you guys to know that. Okay, just came across my wire. Game changer. Okay. All right. Up next, Chris Wessling. <laughs> oh, back to me. I'll take uh, I'll take my boy Mason Rudolph. Oh, it's funny. It's like how many different ways can the can West take the Broncos and Mason Rudolph every single week? Well, you guys are just going to leave him out there. I mean, what are the other options? Take Mitch Trubisky. How about the West? The guy on the roof. Um, he's still there. Uh, he needs that. He needs that W to get off the roof in Cincinnati. I'm not. See, I'm so not plugged into this story. Everyone keeps sending me this guy. <laughs> it's. It's a copycat. This happened in 1991 with Wild Man Walker, who lived on a billboard for 61 days. Wild Man Walker, a famous local entertainer. This guy, just some jamoke. Wild Man Walker. It's happened a few times, stuff like that. It was a trope in the the 80s. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, attention grabber. Wes, uh, usually for a radio promotion. Yeah, Wes sent me a photo um, of... Wild man walking on the roof, and he actually had a mailbox on the roof, it was, which it I was, thought was a really nice touch with it was the Bengals. Delightful touch, and you're right. That that is commitment to the bit. And Wild Man Walker was that kind of personality, where he was. Did he tape he his show like from that. the roof? I believe he did. Well, yeah. what's the point? It's, uh, right. Endless hits up to the billboard and the business. Please, he had. They had built like a man cave up there for him. He was actually living on the billboard. Mm. It was amazing. So, Wes, do they, does he come off the roof, this guy? Whoever this Jamoke is, this chooch, this guy that's just taken off the wild man walker's uh, angle. I, I don't think so because because Ryan Finley's bad, uh, Bengals quarterback. I mean, he's as bad as Mason Rudolph probably. All their throws are scripted, one read, quick throws early in the game. Designed, you know, this is what good coaches do. Get the ball out of the rookie quarterback's hands. And those coaches don't go, those plays don't go anywhere. He's off the mark on his checkdowns. Like, it's it's a awful offense to watch. And, and I know Greg tweeted about this. They are, Zach Taylor didn't really answer the question when they asked if he's playing his best quarterback. He's certainly not playing his best quarterback, not even by a long shot. So, I mean... I understand why they wanted to get a glimpse at him, but that's probably what like late December is for. What was his answer? Because I, I, I didn't. They, I so that. they asked him, "Does Ryan Finley give the team the best chance of winning?" 
And his answer was, we wouldn't play Ryan if we didn't feel like he gave us a chance to win, which is, you know, a clear non-answer. It's not a bad answer. It, it's not a bad answer, but it's, of course he can't say that he gives him the right. best chance to win because his players would know he's lying. I mean, of course Andy Dalton's better. I was willing to be surprised by Finley, but then he threw, you know, under four yards per attempt against the Raiders. So that, you know, Andy Dalton could have probably won that game if you wanted to, you know, really. Oh, I, absolutely. I think he would have too. And I've killed Dalton and I, and it's a be, sort of a be careful what you wish for because I've wanted to see someone else play quarterback, but I like quarterback switches when you go from type of quarterback A to something drastically different and try to liven up an offense that they brought in Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, it couldn't be more of an opposite Sean McVay effect if you tried because <laughs> nothing's changed. It's gotten worse. He seems relatively powerless to me. The, 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 the team is so ultra lifeless and also looks no different than the same issues and the same cast of characters as last year. And I don't need Trent Green telling me 35 times during the game that Joe Mixon's family all bought tickets and how great <laughs> it is and how they believe in the Bengals. It's like, give me a break. What, this Mark team is going nowhere. So annoyed at Trent Green all last Sunday for blowing sunshine. Well, because they they refuse to even criticize an operation that is that is, this is staunchly to... saying we are not going to keep up with 31 other teams. We're going to do it our way, and it's going to be a problem for if you're a fan of this. Now, I don't think they're tanking. I don't think they're trying to lose. But as upset as everyone was in September about Miami, I think playing a quarterback that's worse and maybe they do think that he could have had a future and you want to evaluate him and now's the time to find out or else you get the number one pick it's kind of like win-win if you're the Bengals or keep losing I think that's a little more egregious that you're 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 playing a guy that you pretty much know is not is going to hurt your team's chances of winning if you're not tanking and we haven't heard that connected to Cincinnati certainly not even close to the level with Miami uh, then it was just a huge mistake to bench Dalton because you got. Well, I think they are. I think this guy's this head coach has to win a game. I mean, we right. are now they they put themselves in position by putting this kid in a quarterback where they could potentially go zero and sixteen, and that that sticks with the organization forever. Uh, it's in it's in play now. Cat Terrell, Terrell, who once covered the Bengals, suggested after I tweeted about it, and now she covers the Saints. Does it does an awesome job on the Athletic that it suggested to her just from the outside that he's the one not making the dec- he's not the one making the decisions. Oh, That's I the type that. of answer you make when you're not the one that making the decisions. And that made a lot of sense to me and that goes back to why Chris Wesseling quit and on the Bengals all those years ago and made that dossier. I give Brian Flores a lot of credit for playing his best quarterback when the Redskins are not the Bengals are not, the Steelers arguably are not. I <laughs> I mean, yeah. We got to see a little more of Duck Hodges before. Sure, we're but but definitely crazy. the Bengals and Redskins are not playing their best quarterbacks, and the Dolphins are. Um, I'm up, right? Yeah. How many games? Prove are us up? wrong, Mason one. Rudolph. By you the got, way, you that got was one option, Dan. Erase that stink fest that you made us watch last week, Mason Rudolph. Please. You got right. the G-men. The G-men. Uh, two and eight at the Bears. Ooh, this is a rough one. This one will not be getting a lot of. Uh, love uh, nationally so I will try to do my best for our national podcast to give it the respect it deserves as a game that features professional football players giving it their all Um, Mitch Trubisky has a hit pointer but uh, apparently he will be playing this week looks like it so we'll see where that goes now is the toothpaste out of the old (laughs) container as they say the tube uh, by taking him out of the game. 
Um, because he could have – I still think that something was still weird about all that, and they said, oh, he was injured. Uh, but the, the intimate sideline exchange between Nagy and Trubisky and the fact that, you know, he could have played for three more minutes of game time and survived. So I think there was some Nagy – Dr. Chow went in on that. What did Chow say? It I need to know Chow. said other quarterbacks with more egregious uh, aches and pains – Played through them last so, week. Of course, I, I'd give that to James Including Winston. Mitchell Trubisky. The injury occurred in the second quarter. Right. So but Nagy's explanation made sense. He pulled Trubisky once he saw the injury started to affect the quarterback's decision-making. Okay. That made sense to me. All right. Well, let's hope it's better because if uh, this hit pointer comes back, I guess he'll be taken out of the game again with an injury. But I, I just wonder if, if this is just the beginning of the end. We'll remember the Sunday night game. And as kind of, oh, they are not going to get better with him. And this is just because that was kind of like a referendum game. I know they had the season had already kind of spun into a bad place already, but maybe they could have kind of gotten it back together in prime time and they didn't even come close. Mm. So I think we're seeing the end of the Trubisky era, obviously. Uh, and then on the Giants side of it, there's been a lot of talk. This, you know, we've had our um, disagreements with the injury stuff, Greg, about whether you should say a guy should, you know, rest a little bit longer. The, I am all anti this, let's shut down Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year talk because no one is saying that he's actually um, still injured. I, I don't know, know where that came from, though. Who that, even said it? That was just something that was being brought up a lot, I guess, by the media, and they were being asked about it. Bubbled up Monday. And yeah. both side, both the head coach, Pat Shermer, and Saquon Barkley shot it down and said that we have no interest in uh, in um, shutting this thing down. So it'll be interesting, I guess, to see how Barkley looks because that has been one thing that's been missing from this season compared to last season was how explosive and exciting on a week by week basis Saquon Barkley is. Maybe he gets back his mojo against the Bears defense that is good, but not great. Sterling Shepard is on track at least to return for this game. It's not official. He's gotten close before and then there was a setback. So we'll see that would help Daniel Jones uh, a lot. I, uh, I don't, I don't think it matters like picking this game, whether Trubisky plays or not. There's not much of a difference. They, they're last in the league in explosive plays. They're not using Allen Robinson nearly to the, you know, full capability. Like Blake Bortles did a better job hooking up Allen Robinson with, with big plays than, than the Bears are doing. With that said, the Bears could be the ultimate false hope team because I still think they're the favorite in this game. And then they're on Thanksgiving Day against uh, old Jeff Driscoll. Get ready for that at 930. Young Jeff Driscoll. Uh, and, I, you know, they're, the Bears are capable of losing any game, but they're probably favorites right now to go sick to get to six and six and still be just hanging around before the schedule gets very hard and then the, the bottom falls out. So in a in a painful season for Bears fan, I feel like they might tease them a little more over the next couple weeks by beating a couple bad teams. My boldest note was this game makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Because it does. Yeah. Because sad. it's it's you know, and the Giants are the Giants and we're probably looking at the final weeks of Pat Shermer and I I always felt like he was brought in to carry forth the message of Eli and the ownership and do all that. And I also think that it's been a tough situation for him, and I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen to him. Giants fans may disagree, but Matt Nagy, I mean, we are not too far removed from A, last season, and Andy Reid prior to last season singing long songs about the creativity and what Matt Nagy brings to offense, no matter who the players are. And this has been one of the least interesting attacks in the league and to look at the regression from last year to this 
when you brought in Matt Nagy to light a spark under a Bears offense that was that fired the previous coach because the offense was so boring. He was brought in to fix Mitch Trubisky. Well, he won Coach of the Year doing it, and every because of the defense, every single no. position. He was one of the best coaches in the league. I, Mitch Trubisky was not one of the not fixed though last right, but they, season that, at my all. My point is, Nagy did an amazing job creating open Hiding. receivers last season, coaching last around year. his yeah. limitations. Yeah. Every single position on this offense is worse than it was last year. Yeah, it's one of the craziest. I just think it's on Trubisky, though. Sometimes it's not on the coach. I want to see him get a chance uh, with the different quarterback. One of the craziest storylines of this week is when you saw it popped up. He was being asked, Nagy, are you going to give up play calling? This guy a year ago was being he's part of that. Sean McVay, the young coaches that are gifted with their offensive game planning. That just to me in a nutshell is how awfully this season has gone. Right. That's why I don't need two weeks from now. Oh, they're six and six and they're back in the the, Shut it down. It's like this. I don't need the bear. It's they need an off. Game of the fork. They Thank need God. an off season as much as any team out there right now. All right, time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Love our Marines, our troops, both here and abroad. Okay, the Packer. Uh, the excuse me. The Got that right. Packers. Yes. Oh, man, the Green Bay Packers. They travel to the big bell bottom to face the Niners 8-2 and two against 9-1. and one. What else needs to be said, Chris Wessling? This is uh, has potential to be one of the games of the year. If the 49ers have some semblance of health, sure, but I don't think they're the same team they were three or four weeks ago. When George, George Kittle's not playing, Matt Breida's not playing, Emmanuel Sanders is banged up, um, Debo Samuel is banged up, and Debo Samuel... Yeah, eight for a hundred in back-to-back games, first time in franchise history. Hmm. That guy was playing well. He's like a running back with the ball in his hands. I just like who are the 49ers if all these guys are are out? Their defense has not been dominant for three straight weeks. I think the defense has been great. Really? Aren't I mean, they giving up twenty-five points a week now. Well, I mean, against Seattle, they basically didn't give up an offensive touchdown until late in the fourth quarter. The, the Seahawks had twelve, thirteen drives. They couldn't move the ball at all. The, the, the turnovers are putting them in a bad spot. They're they're I not mean, compare that to when they were giving up three, seven, and zero. Right. Every week. They've they've stepped up in class in terms of uh, opponent. And the Cardinals, for whatever reason, have played them well. But even the Cardinals have punted the ball a ton. And to me, it's been more on their offense. But I've got some news for you, Wes. George Kittle and Debo. Samuel returned to practice Thursday wearing non-contact jerseys. Mm. So the, it sounds like it's a baby step and they're neither one of them is guaranteed to play. Emmanuel Sanders did play through that injury. Not, you know, a hundred percent last week. He was in and out of the, he didn't line. finish the game. But if you have those three guys on the field and Kittle's the key one, Kittle to me is, is Gronk because it not only kills their passing game, it kills their running game. Yep. Uh, you know, some, some people were pointing out just how the tight ends that replace Kittle doing well catching some passes, but have been blown up in their running game, and they have not run the ball very well. We haven't seen Green Bay in a while because that there was that snow game before their bye week, and they two things. I thought their pass rush came back to life in that attack a little bit against Carolina, and they ran the ball well. They slashed Carolina's defense, and they're not the first or last team to do that, but. That's a good formula for taking care of business against San Francisco. Will not be as easy to do that against the front of the Niners defense. I know Jimmy Garoppolo had a couple turnovers, um, including the second pick, pick, which was credit to the Niners defense for getting that three and out because if they don't get a three and out, game over. Uh, the game is over and the Cardinals have a huge win and everyone's looking at both teams a lot differently. Uh, but credit to 
that stop and then Garoppolo making uh, the big drive and beating the blitz, the zero blitz uh, at the end for the touchdown to Wilson. So he's just been a lot more fun to watch um, uh, for me the last few weeks. And I just want to, he's becoming a storyline to me, like not Kirk Cousins-esque, Wes, but kind of like, all right, let's figure out who Garoppolo is. Is he a kind of premier field general type guy? Is he a below a Kirk Cousins type guy? Like where does he fit in? And we're starting to get for the first time ever an actual sample size of this guy because he's either been a backup to Tom Brady or an injured quarterback. We're finally getting a collection of games that is lasting months upon months, and he's just kind of a fun guy to see develop. He's now started more games this year, or equal, than he did the entire rest of his career. I mean, he's he's started the same amount of games as Darnold. That's just where he is, and and I think you're right that he's getting better each week. And I give the 49ers a ton of credit. If you think about what they've lost throughout the year, it's not just this week. I mean, they, they played without their tackles for a while. Remember Jarek McKinnon? I mean, he was supposed to be part of it. Remember Jason Verrett? He was supposed to be part of it. Quan Alexander's uh, long gone. Akella Witherspoon, their starting cornerback's been in and out. Ronald Blair's on injured reserve. It's like Dee Ford's hurt right D now. Ford's barely played and this team has battled through it to get to nine and one. That's why I w- I've been leaning Packers all week. And now this news that Kittle and Samuel are back at practice. I think they've been the better team for the most part this year because of all they've withstood. The Packers are the exact opposite. Maybe the healthiest team in the NFL have had virtually no significant injuries in the entire season, which is a ama- which is almost impossible. At least right now, all the guys on their team are healthy and they haven't lost anyone of real value for the whole season. I want to see how their defense plays in this game. We were down on their defense before the bye, uh, before that Panthers game. And they were all right against the Panthers, but I I want to see in this game this defense play like they did in September and not in October and early November. I don't know if we're getting that defense again. We'll see. I got some news for you guys. If the Packers do win this week and move to 9-2, I think you're, they're the first seed in the NFC. After this game, at Giants, home Redskins, home Bears. As opposed to the 49ers who play three straight teams that currently have an 8-2 and two record. Wow. The Ravens and the Saints are after them. And, and there's a lot of these matchups. We also get and who's to- after that? We- Say it. You could say it. I oh, yeah. Oh, the uh, Falcons, the <laughs> toughest game on the schedule yet. I didn't even know that. Greg's face lit up when he said that. And we also have Seahawks 49ers. It's great that all these bye teams are all playing each other down the stretch. Tasty Sunday night game. Have you noticed that bye teams have not been playing well coming out of the bye? Especially the London ones. I think there's a. I think no one won coming out of their bye after London. But if you look, a, a lot of people were tweeting. If you look at who some of those teams right. played... It's, Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't like the there weren't crazy results where like suddenly an AFC title type team doesn't show the up. The buy in general is overrated as like a positive factor. I mean, of course it gets you healthier, but there's no like stats over the years that say it makes you better. I mean, if like, anything, it's just, it's just you're just the same team when you come back. Well, if you if you get to take a week vacation and everyone's like, oh, are you refreshed now? It's like, no, now I just know that I want more vacation. You don't come <laughs> back doing your job better. Well said. <laughs> you know who should have gotten a buy coming out of London? You're on the NFL podcast. Mm. Didn't happen. Not going to happen. Did not happen no. at all. Erica, not do we have discussed. a bye coming up? We have a bye week on the yeah. schedule? Yeah, a couple. That's what they want to hear from us. Uh, 
next year. And Who is not only they? It's like not only send us. Yeah, uh, we're gonna take that next week off. Please, <laughs> sorry. Stay in London for another week. And that was the road to victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Support your troops. Uh, finally, Monday night football: the Baltimore Ravens eight and two travel to the Coliseum to face the Rams. So the Rams get. Back-to-back primetime games here. Sunday night last week uh, got the win against the downtrodden, not quite moribund, but downtrodden Chicago Bears. Uh, And now they get the Ravens. Another game I thought very hard, Mark, about locking up because, God, I mean. For who? What do you mean? The team that wins every week and has the best quarterback in the league this season. I don't think you could look yourself in the mirror locking up the Ravens against the Rams. I agree with Mark on that. I go. I go I, by the Vegas test. And well, that's fine. Goal. I would give, not, I give you a hard time you not about go by that. The mirror test, Dan. No, I always go by the field goal to look in the mirror. Well, that would be controversial, that but more power. I, I did, I've always done it. That I way. disagree, just because because of that. Like we think it's so predictable, but there's a reason that. Well, that, you're like halfway on the Rams payroll, so no. Of th- you there's <laughs> a reason, though. There's a reason why. Let's say, for instance, the the Ram or the Ravens are not that heavily favored in this game because. The Rams are at home, and they're a six and four team that has something going on to them. And it it really wouldn't be that crazy to me to see the Rams and the Ravens in the fourth quarter of this game. I know you can take every game apart like this and say the other team has a chance, right? Because it's almost always true, right? So like we should just be able to lock every. Team. <laughs> well, no, I say if it's yeah, if it's more than well, a touchdown. I would say this: this the Rams, the Rams are are the Ravens at this point. 30, 37, 49, 41 points in a row. They had some issues at times. They are playing at the height of their powers right now, issuing death blows to teams midway through the second quarter. And if you tell me, you look at Jared Goff at this point in the season and what happened against Chicago last week, and you give me Lamar Jackson, and which one of these two is changing the lives of every single person inside the organization and about to have 200 people fitted for Super Bowl rings, that's much closer to Lamar Jackson than Jared Goff right now. And I hear you, Greg. It's in L.A., but that doesn't feel like well, a it's huge in, And it's in November, I think, is is the bigger thing. Not that the Ravens need to be worried about... You know, it's not like they need to play worse. But they're peaking right now. And two months from now, you know, will they still be peaking? Teams change. And I think the Rams especially tried to change last week. It was against the Bears. You're not going to go crazy. But I think they max protected. They changed the way they did some of their running game. The offensive line played well. They had a good game, and they opened up some holes. And so if you're the Rams, they're now kind of – it's funny. They were the it team a year ago at this Mm -hmm. point when they were on Monday Night Football. Now the Ravens are the it team, and the Rams to me are kind of just trying to, you know – play to their defense and run the ball and not turn the ball over. And that's probably their best route of, of winning this game. Robert Woods, not in the building right now. What is he, going on he with he that? Practice on th- he returned Thursday. He did, okay. So he he's re- in the building. He's, he returned Thursday. Brandon Cooks is going to play. Uh, Todd Gurley Good said, to him. I guess I felt like the old Todd after the game. And I thought the first half was his best half of football all year. And then I went and watched Christian McCaffrey right after Todd Gurley wow, and said, <laughs> that's not the old so Todd. Mean. Like, that's not the old Todd because Christian McCaffrey looked like a totally different 
player than 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 2019 Todd Gurley. So that guy's gone. Can the guy that's in his place be productive? He was last week. I think he had like 125 total yards. Like Greg said, they changed some things up. They went with Johnny Munt, their third string tight end, as a as kind of a lead blocker on a lot of plays, which they never did in the past. So they were trying some new things, and, and Gurley did look good. And they protected Goffwell for maybe the first time all year. And I don't know if that was. What that said? Well, was they it, barely passed for for well, most. Of the game. That's maybe not the worst idea ever. If if you're ahead in the game or competitive, how about a a legit revenge game, Marcus Peters' revenge game? I think this is closer than some of the ones that have been tossed around as revenge. Anyone of a, oh, a former employee, please. I blew it because my favorite revenge game of the year was the one before. I'm still going to talk about it. Kyle Shanahan, I mean uh, Matt Lafleur, <laughs> tri- tried to hire Mike Lafleur, his brother. Over the, Are we in back the in the road to victory? We're back in the road. Let's get on the road <laughs> Never to give up on the Marines. <laughs> he tried to hire his brother. What a great story. Mike LaFleur, we're going to be the LaFleur brothers and take over the The, the flying LaFleurs. You know Kyle Shannon said, said, nope, I've got the best LaFleur. I know Mike is better than Matt. He's the LaFleur I want. I'm keeping him in San Francisco. Maybe even against his wishes, he's going to be my coordinator. And now Matt LaFleur gets to commit fratricide. Sure. <laughs> Against his brother. Okay. He's going to kill him. Sure wish you said that road. five minutes ago. <laughs> I don't care. Hey, uh, I got bits. Can we close out this Rams-Ravens thing with a what's more likely? Before we do that, can, right. can we just give Marcus Peters a little bit love for how, uh, how incredible he's been on this defense? Because that was another trade that didn't get that much pub when it happened. It was like, oh, Marcus Peters, the Rams aren't going to sign him anyway. They, the Ravens go get him. And he's he's not been Minka Fitzpatrick great in the secondary, but he's been an impact player. Been we close. Get, good teams stay good. Bad teams stay bad. Wes. What's more likely? Wow. <laughs> this one is kind of geared toward Mark Sessler. What's more likely? Wink Martindale wins assistant coach of the year. Ooh. Greg Roman wins assistant coach of the Ooh, year. Another buddy. Or John Harbaugh wins NFL Head Coach of the Year. That's a fun one. Well, I, I think two out of three is very possible. Who votes on Assistant Coach of the Year? Mark Sessler. All the AP voters. <laughs> Same my as vote, MVP. I, I don't know how, if they ever went Wink Martindale and not Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson right. keeps this up, there would be a revolt. Just I, This is someone, I think Greg Roman has not had to reinvent himself, just that he was a hot commodity kind of vanished into the mist, and now is back with Lamar, a super-powered version of anything Colin Kaepernick would have ever given you, times 10 in Lamar Jackson. Mm. And Greg Roman... Times 10, let's calm down. Colin Kaepernick took the league by storm for six games. In 2012. I'm just saying. It's not a Colin Kaepernick thing, but I I would say the reason that John Harbaugh deserves it (laughs) is because John Harbaugh, unlike a lot of coaches was able to look in the mirror and say, let's change everything and have the boldness to do it. And the whole staff, at least, looked at Lamar Jackson and said, he's a quarterback. I know there was the press release that that Greg enjoyed very much this week about uh, their former offensive aide, but Lamar Jackson is a quarterback and we're going to roll with it when a bunch of other teams didn't. And also, by the way, oh, Joe Flacco, who we are all married to and the owner loves, is broken down at this point. He's gone. Lamar Jackson. Well, but he—they always were backing Flacco, and it took it took some guts that some head coaches don't have to make the changes they did last year and become electrifying. And then a full off season of saying this will never carry over. Lamar Jackson doesn't do enough well. Everyone's going to figure it out, and bang, they're twice as powerful. So give everyone coach the year. Maybe a Roman uh, Harbaugh sweep. Martindale. I agree with that. Martindale's defense is number one in uh, efficiency. 
according to Football Outsiders, since week seven. So since week seven, they have the number one defense in the NFL and the number one offense. I, I, I have no idea how long assistant coach has been around that award, but no one's ever, no team's ever swept this, right? That's impossible. Not I yet. I think it's only been around for a few years. About, about four, 20, 2014 about four so. years. Yeah. We're, I mean, very important I, award. This Dan. is very like I, I want to say very that important award. the Ravens are playing incredibly right now, and perhaps we're getting caught up in the excitement of that. That they they're so unstoppable and perfect right now. I would worry that they're peaking. Well, maybe that's know, maybe fine. they keep winning. That's but. fine. Like I totally hear what Greg and you were saying that it's not going to go week after week after week here. But what? Why are we starting to diminish them? Oh, I would never do that. In their I would never do that. I think it's more common on like how awesome they are right now hmm. that we could have this conversation and you could say oh I pick all three of them and Wes would agree and, and that the, the Ravens are the, the talk of the league right now well how awesome are they they beat Russell Wilson Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson by double digits pretty damn Dang. Uh, to answer your question Dan the assistant coach of the year has been around for five years and uh, the Bears swept it last year Nagy, last year <laughs> Nagy and Fangio well, well there you go right there that's not special and uh, the first time it ever was an award, a sweep was also a sweep back in 2014. Bruce Arians and your boy Todd Bowles. Wow! For the 2014. So I Cardinals. would call it especially narrative driven. <laughs> well, it makes sense. The teams that have a great right. coaching staff, they you know they get awards or they have a great year. I mean, I you win will assistant, say as... you go on to become head coach typically too. Yeah. I would, Pat Shermer. Can Skarnecki yeah, get I think, it? I, I think almost. I'm, Except for Wade I think, Phillips. Yeah, Wade Phillips was the only one who did not. Times, yeah. You have to be a coordinator? Did. No, because Skarnecki had got some votes. You know, there was a there was like a year of some dark horse, you know, Skarnecki buzz, but uh, I don't think he beat Todd out. Todd Bowles when he got him to your New York Jets. He did, and that didn't work out so well. Greg Roman's the prohibitive favorite right now. Bring Whereas it. I think for the coach of the year, Sean Payton would be right up there for me with John yeah. Harbaugh. Um, all right, we will be back uh, tonight, as I said, Colts-Texans, and then Cynthia Freeland. That's fun. And then on Sunday, we will recap every game we just previewed here. The wheel goes round and round. Stan Hans is signing off for a Quiet Storm. The Mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Ryan Barlett. Christy, Zach, who's all back there? Till Sunday. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.